You're listening to Local Government Insights, a podcast for state and local governments. If you're looking to optimize operations, improve services for your constituents, and maximize revenue without raising taxes, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Local Government Insights podcast, Modernizing Government Leadership, uh, your source and insight for local government technology. My name is Brendan Middleton, and today we'll be speaking to Michael Payton about how today's citizens deserve a digital court experience and how technology is providing a more streamlined jury experience for citizens. I'm super excited to introduce to you our guest speaker, Michael Payton, who is the Justice Solutions Leader at Avenue and has been providing jury and court related solutions to local and state governments of all sizes for more than 30 years. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, great. Uh, happy to be here. Thanks for asking me. Look forward to it. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. So real quick before we get started, Mike, would you just give us a, a high level uh, background, a little bit about yourself, experience in the industry? Yeah, I've been in the space for over three decades. Uh, don't let the boyish good looks fool you. <laughs> um, I've been around a while. Uh, I started, uh, I guess, the late 80s. We, uh, uh, we began to work directly on the, on the court product, our first product. I founded a company. We developed a court case management system. Uh, we took it to market. We uh, uh, relatively quickly uh, became successful. I uh, grew that company over uh, about a 15, 16 year period, and then sold that company to a larger company. Uh, stayed on there a few years, and uh, uh, eventually, uh, once the transition was uh, was comfortably over, uh, I went on on my own as a uh, uh, well. I took a couple of years off. <laughs> then I went out mm-hmm. on my own as a as a consultant. But in general, I mean, I've been in courts of all sizes, all jurisdictions. Uh, we did statewide implementations for courts. We did uh, individual, you know, one judge court in the middle of Illinois. Uh, right. Did the entire state of Georgia. So, uh, so anyhow, I, I've been in and out of a lot of courts for a lot of years, um, dealing with uh, with technology. Wonderful. Mike, thanks. I really appreciate that background. And I'm really excited today to discuss kind of how technology is helping governments really streamline the jury experience um, for citizens. So let's just get right to it. So as we all know, jury duty, not the most exciting thing to look forward to. Um, you know, Anything from inflexible hours, like really long wait times, minimal pay, and the overall sluggish court procedures, you know, have really all combined to make jury duty kind of a nightmare for busy citizens, especially in our digital age, right? So first off, I'd like to set the stage by just discussing and elaborating on some of the challenges that the courts are facing with respect to day-to-day operations. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's no surprise to anyone who knows anything about the courts that they are underfunded. Um, because the courts are underfunded, they constantly have the challenge of doing more with less. Um, uh, when I say they're underfunded, uh, you know, the courts are a third co-equal branch government, but they get all their funding from the other two branches. Um, so it's no surprise that from time to time, as the economy is up and down, as tax revenues are up and down, uh, as COVID comes along for, for any number of reasons, uh, the courts have to do more with less. Um, and, 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 and that's really uh, uh, the, uh, the reason that, that automation is, is really vital 
uh, in the court space uh, because, of course, it's one way to do more with less. Uh, and this has been going on forever. Uh, with respect to automation, uh, back in the 80s, late 80s, um, court automation inside the courthouse, uh, empowering court staff, judicial officers, court management, uh, computer systems designed to empower them to do more than less, more with less, I'm sorry, uh, uh, we're all the rage. And that's really where, uh, where we began to meet these challenges. Wonderful. So what I'm hearing is automation and, and the implementation of these types of public facing processes is really kind of changing the way courts operate essentially. So one of my questions kind of is really, is that a good or a bad thing like for courts and its constituents? Is that a good thing that it's digitizing and automating? And what are the, what are the, what are the things that they're, they're dealing with as they, they struggle to automate? Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting. I, I, I think it's a good thing that happened by accident. Um, again, the courts needed to do more with less. Uh, so they began to automate internal processes. When we ran out of steam inside the courthouse, uh, once, once we automated um, court clerks uh, activities and judicial activities, and, and we added uh, uh, the digitizing of images, for example, uh, mm -hmm. once, once we kind of exhausted uh, the obvious uh, automation uh, things that could be automated inside the courthouse, we still needed to do more with less. So we had to go outside the courthouse. Uh, uh, these public facing systems that we see today, for example, electronic filing was one of the first, if not the first. Uh, electronic filing, of course, enables the courts to offload uh, some of their work on to attorneys and law firms and litigants in general, uh, self-represented, right. for example. So, so electronic filing it was really the first uh, significantly empowering uh, application for the public with respect to doing business with the courts. Got it. So I, I think most people actually resonate with what you just said, and they'll kind of understand your points with respect to electronic filing. Um, you know, of court cases and documents and so on. Can you elaborate a little bit further on some of the other processes and kind of situations where this type of constituent empowerment philosophy may may prove beneficial for the courts? Yeah, um, jury comes to mind. You, you mentioned jury early on. Um, uh, there is a lot of activities um, with a typical jury uh, with the typical jury process, there are a lot of, of court staff um, uh, involvement uh, if you don't provide public-facing applications mm -hmm. to the jurors. Uh, let me just give you an example. I like to tell the story about when I travel. I'm traveling right now. Uh, if you can't yeah. tell, I'm in a hotel room. But, right. but, you know, when I travel, I make my reservations with my phone. I don't, I don't speak to any staff of any organization. I just make the reservation. I then go to the airport and I check in with my phone. Right. Uh, I then get on the plane using my phone as a boarding pass. When I arrive at the other end, I pick up my bags using my uh, using my phone as my claim check. I then <laughs> use my phone to get an Uber to the hotel. And because I made the reservation on my phone at the hotel, my phone is now the key to the room. I don't even stop at the counter and I go straight to my room. 
Now, I didn't bother airline staff. I didn't bother uh, hotel staff. Uh, I didn't need um, a sky cap, for example, to, to, to check my bags. I did all that myself. And that's good for me as a traveler, but it's also good for those organizations because they, in essence, by providing me that application, they've offloaded some of their work onto me. And I'm happy Thanks. to have it uh, because it makes for a more efficient, uh, dare I say, pleasurable experience. The same thing with jurors. If we can empower the jurors through public facing applications to qualify themselves from home instead of wow. filling out a paper form, for example, to get qualified or disqualified, which is what they may be hoping for. <laughs> if if we can if we can empower them to do that in their pajamas at home uh, or in their car using their phone, using a public facing app, they can get qualified without again being a burden on overburdened court staff. Uh, and it's at their convenience. So it's it's a win win. Uh, the same wow. thing once I attend the courthouse, when I show up for court to actually serve, if I can check myself in rather than wait in line for a clerk to check me in, I've been empowered. Uh, so so I think it's good uh, for both sides. Excellent. Wow, that's pretty special in terms of integrating type of digital experiences we all use every day into a process like a, a juror juror process and in the qualification and the response and how to access files so we talked about empowering the jurors how do you foresee this type of digital experience affecting like jury response rates or even like diversification and and further like nullification like how is this type of digital experience affecting those kind of three areas which are the three kind of core components of running an efficient jury yeah you know one of the uh, uh, and i don't want to say problem but one of the issues that we have with with uh with assembling juries is uh that they're not very diverse uh mm -hmm. Most people uh, who are, you know, excited or very mm -hmm. willing to serve on jury duty are older. It's just a simple fact of the matter. Older folks show up for jury, uh, for their jury duty um, uh, in greater numbers than do younger. Uh, part of that is, is the rep that jury service has. I mean, there's really nobody very excited about um, getting paid $5 a day to be stuck inside the courthouse with a couple of hundred hmm. other people uh, yeah. watching the same staled jury orientation video over and over and over again. <laughs> but but if you can change that experience, which a number of, of public facing applications today, they change that experience so that I show up at the courthouse and I check in using my phone, let's say, but I don't even have to go inside the courthouse and wait for something to occur, I can stay in my car, drink my coffee, use my phone, do some work, watch a movie, because the court knows I'm in my car in the parking lot, and they know that because of technology. So wow. if you can make it a more pleasurable or, or a less miserable experience, then you're going to increase the numbers of, for example, young people who are willing to serve. Now, I have a client, we have a client, uh, a court in Virginia who, who uses uh, Twitter to, you know, another technology which can be used, which is used by predominantly younger and a more diverse crowd than they typically see 
serving, uh, but he can use Twitter, that clerk, uh, to encourage people to participate. Um, so there, there's a number of ways that technology uh, can improve, uh, uh, can, can provide you with a more well-rounded, a more diverse, uh, younger, if you will, um, uh, pool of jurors. Yeah, and you can easily see, like, if the experience is a bit more pleasurable, that people would be willing to tell others about the experience they had, therefore increasing the, the amount of responses that the courts are getting, therefore increasing the diversification um, aspect as well. So that's it's pretty powerful. Exactly. When people come out of jury duty, rather than going home to their friends and family and say, wow, what a miserable experience, yeah. I was stuck in this room with these people couldn't use my phone, couldn't, you know, couldn't get any work done. I was just stuck there all day versus somebody comes out of a, of a more modern experience and says, wow, you know what? I mean, it wasn't great, but that's pretty cool. I checked myself in. Uh, I sat in the car and drank coffee and <laughs> got some work done and they called me in just in time to do what I needed to do. So yeah, it, it, it can be made much more pleasure. Yeah. And we're all the younger generation is so programmed to multitask so it just enables them to almost do two or three things at once which they're so accustomed to be doing in their normal day-to-day -day anyways um so you've talked a little bit about i want to touch a little bit about one of your 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 points just a minute ago stuck in a room right the the antiquated in a pool of people watching a stale video or encapsulated in a, a finite space the pandemic has obviously had an impact on that portion. So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about the pandemic and the effects it's having on kind of not only so many areas of government operations, but specifically what are the impact that the pandemic has had on the court system? And maybe, Mike, more specifically, the social distancing mandates that are now required. Yeah, just in general, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but just in general, the pandemic has uh, made funding a challenge. Um, tax mm -hmm. revenues are down. We have clients. Uh, I have clients who uh, have delayed projects because of budgetary concerns because tax revenues are down, which means that the city doesn't get their money or the state doesn't get their money, uh, which means that the courts don't get theirs. So they delay projects. When you delay that project, if it's an automation project, for example, uh, then you're not getting more done with less. Um, you're, you're slowing things down. So, so just in general, downturns in the economy and COVID has certainly done that uh, affect all of this. With respect to social distancing, I mean, it's such a good point and a good question. I'm talking right now with a court who is literally leasing the convention center next to the courthouse wow. at a cost of $250,000. They're leasing that convention center just to be able to uh, socially distance the jurors um, because mm -hmm. they still have to have all of these jurors show up in person, uh, assemble somewhere, and the only place that he could do the social distancing was by renting a convention center next door. Now, with the kind of applications that I spoke of a minute ago, if the jurors can show up and sit in their car in the parking lot rather yeah. than being assembled, yeah, uh, and and you know then 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 you can alleviate that social distancing problem. So it, it's a challenge. Uh, uh, COVID's definitely um, slowed things down, made things uh, more difficult. But with uh, public facing applications like electronic filing, people don't come to the courthouse as much anymore. 
and with some of these jury applications that I'm uh, mentioning, again, we, we can limit the, the need to gather a bunch of people in a room all together. Wonderful. Yeah, that's crazy. Just alleviate, think about a cost savings. Like if they're turning to renting other spaces or, you know, delaying course, the costs associated with all of that, they can shift yeah. the way that they're operating to a more digital experience, utilizing the, the, the real estate, so to speak, of the constituent and not having to, you know, assume other responsibilities or real estate to keep that social distancing mandates intact. Like cost savings is is one aspect, but also so, you know safety in the same sense in terms of the the pandemic, right. um, and, and making it a less miserable experience. Again, sure, you sure. know, as a juror, I may be socially distanced in a convention center. I'd still rather be outside the courthouse in my car, right, right, or the coffee shop, for instance. Yeah, coffee shop right down the street. So as long That's as right. I get to the courthouse, once they assign me to a case, yeah. I'm good to go. Perfect. So one of the kind of final questions I, I have for you, we talked a lot about the constituent experience and how these types of public facing environments and applications are enhancing that pleasurable experience. Let's talk about, about the court administration aspect. Like how does bringing some of the courts more and more online, like you're discussing today, like how does it affect like the actual administration of the court? Yeah, it's, it's a huge deal. Um, you know, justice delayed is justice denied. Everybody's heard that. Yeah. Um, and 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 so court administrators, <clears throat> excuse me, court administrators and managers are constantly faced with uh, the need for uh, analytics, um, statistics, analytics. Uh, they need to uh, to know up to the minute uh, what's hmm. on the plate. Uh, uh, you know, there's uh, you know the courts live and die by very simple statistics. The The number of cases you began with at a certain period, that's the begin pending. The number that were filed, the number that were disposed, ended, completed, and the number that you end up with. Now, within those numbers, you need to know where are the cases within the process. All of right. that uh, is a requirement in order to uh, to, to effectively manage the court and and automation, of course, uh, all of that information is a byproduct of uh, of automating not only court staff but also the public in in general and the court's constituents. Also, and it, it should be said that you know we can't discount how important making dealing with the court more efficient, more productive, uh, less miserable, if you will. I mean, that's important to keep your constituents happy. Um, uh, the court's customers are the public. It's the, the public bar, the private bar, lawyers, attorneys, uh, but also just John Q. Public. And it's the court's job to keep, the, they want to keep their customers happy just like every other business. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, uh, you know, all of these things that we've been speaking of are, are vital. To, uh, to the effectiveness of, of court administration and court management. Awesome. So, Mike, this has been incredible. Um, we covered a lot today um, from challenges to different types of public-facing applications, the impact that they're having, um, you know, how it's affecting the back office. Like, if you could sum it up for our listeners, like, what are some of just the main key takeaways just from our discussion today that court administrators, courts of clerk, you know, these local governments that are dealing with, you know, 
basically adjusting the way they operate overnight, essentially in regard to the pandemic specifically, but also just kind of into the future and how enhancing that experience is going to just change the way that, you know, courts run in their jurisdiction. Like what are some of the key takeaways you would leave a listener today? Yeah. I, I, you know, in my early uh, career, we, we thought of, of court staff, uh, clerks, uh, judicial officers, and court administrators and managers as our customers, as mm-hmm. our opportunity to empower those people, uh, to enable us to do more with less and to be more effective and provide a more productive environment for, for justice to occur. I think court management needs to uh, come to the conclusion, which many have, uh, that, that we need to go outside of the courthouse and we need to truly empower the public, attorneys and just John Q. public, uh, to help us, to help the courts do more with less. And that that's really where the bang for the buck is. You got to get outside of the box, get outside of the building, uh, mm-hmm. and, and really empower your customers, uh, just like every other business on the planet has done, uh, but empower your customers to enable you to provide a better experience. Uh, and by doing so, uh, you're going to help the internal uh, situation also. So, I, I, to my way of thinking, that's the most important um, uh, point to be made to where we are today. And and COVID, of course, you know, just just demonstrates even more how important it is uh, uh, to uh, to support people and empower people to do business with the court without being at the court. Excellent. Mike, I can't thank you enough. This has been powerful. I know I've learned a lot from my discussions today with you. I can't can't uh, thank you enough for being on the show and taking some time out of your day. So for our listeners, thank you all for joining us on the Local Government Insights Podcast, um, your source for modernizing government leadership. For those listening, make sure to subscribe and rate the podcast. We can't thank you all enough for listening and staying tuned. Please stay tuned for more local government news and insights to come. We really look forward to having you join us next time. You've been listening to Local Government Insights, modernizing government leadership. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.